Awesome. Well, as everyone comes back in, and I said it in the uh, second service, I said, once people head out to the cafe and they come back in, they use their mouth more chewing up their food than they did, saw more action than when they were, some of them were singing, but I'll, I'll get off of that. You doing good this morning? This is our fourth service this weekend. This is awesome. The church has grown a lot, exponentially, man. First time we ever came, I think we just had a Sunday morning, something like that. And uh, by the way, I'm Joe, and this is my wife, uh, Becky Cruz, over here. The young blonde playing the keyboard over here is, I tell people this all the time, she's my trophy wife. She's my only wife. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, some, I guess the older guys, they get a trophy wife. I guess the first one wasn't good enough or whatever it is. They want a second go-around. I don't want a second go-around. I got the only one I want right over there. The love of my life. Uh, we uh, celebrated 47 years this December 18th, uh, married life. But even above that, uh, we've been ministering together full-time 51 years. And started October 51st year together in ministry. So been able to do a lot of wonderful things. And we've had some folks here, so it's amazing, you know, up here in the Northwest, uh, we've had some folks come by and said, so you were a part of the Cruz family back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. I said, yeah, I'm the oldest son. And talking about my baby sister, by the way, uh, there were five siblings, mom and dad, and dad's in heaven today. Mom is there in Houston with us. She's 89, 80, how does 87? It seems like 89. She's smarter and sharper than any of us. And uh, doing extremely well, but we're there in Houston to be close to her and help. But God is so good. We have three children. All three of our kids are in, in ministry and uh, 10 grandbabies. Uh, the two oldest ones are part of OU University there at Vocal Scholarships. And then the youngest one is a little over a year old. His name is Moses. And uh, I put a picture on Facebook when he was like a day old. And he had this look like, I'm taking the world. Y'all better get out of the way. So he's a true cruise. He's, he's a Vespa, but he's very much a cruise. Uh, for Becky and I, since uh, 1999, the Lord put in our hearts to have an online, well, actually to have a music school, an accredited music college that's three-year program. It also has a two-year Bible degree. But in 2013, the Lord said, get that school online, not knowing all of the ramifications. But uh, when COVID hit, uh, there in 2020, it really started in 2019 because my mother had uh, a bout with this big, huge chest stuff and everything else. And then we flow on into uh, 2020 and Becky and I coming back from Israel, headed on to the Philippines, get locked down in Hawaii. Now I said that in the first two services and everybody went, oh, <laughs> but we were there for six months. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy what, what the Lord did while we were there. But it, our school exploded. And I was speaking to someone here that uh, after COVID, they were, I think they were closed for like three weeks or whatever. And then uh, Pastor Dav, he said, uh, uh, he said, the doors aren't locked. <laughs> Something like that in the way he does. And people started coming back. So, uh, and the church just began to multiply. So we found out who the true church was uh, during that time. But not only that, but uh, who the worshipers were. And uh, so our school has just exploded. So when you sow this weekend, you're not, just, you're not taking care of Becky and our salary, 
but you're helping us with our school and our instructors, fully accredited program. We have students from all over the world, China, uh, Fiji, uh, you know, Thailand, Australia, uh, all there in the east, and then, and then the, uh, all over Europe, many countries of Europe, and then uh, Brazil even, and South America, the United States, Africa, South Africa. We have uh, students. So when you sow, uh, you're empowering us. Our school is 23 years old, and we have students working for some of the largest ministries in the world. And, you know, not only just in music ministry, we have a young man that went to work for uh, uh, Dave Ramsey. In his organization in, in, in uh, Nashville there. So God is uh, multiplying our seed all over the world. He told us in 1999, he said, I love you leading worship. And he said, you can do that. I'll be happy with you. But he said, I would prefer that you put the heart of worship in the next generation because they need to know the sound of heaven. And, uh, you know, it's not like that here because you guys have an incredible worship team. And, and by the way, uh, Pastor, when he asked me to be here for today, he said, we're going to give the team uh, the day off. So that's why they're not leading worship. I didn't make that choice. He was the one who said, we'll just let them. So has that been all right? I know you missed them, but they're going, hallelujah. And I think I've seen all of them in, in, in one of the different services. They're all serving and Everyone's, by the way, that little thump you, you hear at the beginning of the service and, and in between times, that's Brother Tessie up there, man. Yeah, that's his stuff. Tossie, however y'all say that. But that's his, that's his music, by the way. So tell him he needs to put out a CD so you guys can worship to that and go to work, you know, and not lose your cool while you're, you know. Uh, yeah, going to work. Just leave it at that. But anyway... He asked me to share around the heart of worship or the power of worship. And so today I'm going to do that if you'll allow me to. That's really who we are. The hallmark of who we are is the heart of worship. And so I'm going to leave you six characteristics of a worshiper. If I can do that, you're a note-taking church. A lot of people have already, if you've got your smartphone, you can put these down. It's not a heavy revy. It's not, uh, it's not going to take 15 pages of notes and stuff. You can't do that in 20 minutes anyway, so... But uh, we're going to share a little bit with you this morning. So uh, I want to talk about David, uh, King David. He was a worshiper. He was a warrior. Uh, and, but more than anything else, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Isn't that cool? And so uh, if you have your Bible, let's go, to, uh, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 13. We'll look at verse 14. By the way, we bless you, Pastor. Thank you for allowing us to come and be with us. Why don't you give your pastor a hello here online today. I'm sure he's watching. But we love you very much. It's not the same without you. And, uh, but thank you for the privilege to be here today. It's an honor. And we love what God's doing here at Heritage. It's amazing. If you found 1 Samuel 13, verse 14 says, But now... Your kingdom, talking about King Saul, he is finding out through a prophetic word that his reign is over. He's done. And we're going to find out why that the Lord transitions on. Now, do you think God's original plan was for those of us here on this earth to have an earthly leader, a king? In some ways, I would say yes, but he always wanted to be our king. He always wanted to be the head of the church. But the children of Israel wanted a leader, wanted a king. And so Samuel, I mean, uh, Saul becomes their king. And so Saul is there, 
And we, re, we, we read here in verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be an indictment that I would not want to hear. That the king of glory says, what I asked you to do, you were not faithful to do it, so I'm removing you and I'm going to put someone else in that place. That would be a horrible thing to be passed over by God Almighty. But I do believe there are people just like Saul that God has asked us to do some things. Matter of fact, he commanded us to do that we have been like, well, he really gave us a choice when he really didn't. It was a command. And so this is incredible. Do you think David was perfect? Absolutely not. I asked this also in the earlier services. Is there a man here in the place that you killed another man so you could have his wife? Anybody here today? Okay, no hands, so we're okay. We're, we're good here. But uh, David did. He uh, was supposed to be on the plane fighting, but instead, overlooking the valley, sees a young lady taking a bath and says, I can have what I want. I want her. So he has her husband killed so he could take her as his own. And you think, wow, that should disqualify you right there. But the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He was quick to repent. And I think that's a challenge for every one of us in this room. We're not perfect. There was only one perfect. His name was Jesus Christ. But for those of us that are here, it is a different season, a different time. David lived under the law. And if you touched the ark the wrong way, you died. Come on, somebody. But under grace, people think it's greasy grace. We can live like we want to and God doesn't care. He really does. He really does. And there are consequences to us not fulfilling the call of God and doing what God has asked us to do. And so another thing, people think that worship is really a song or a part of the service when worship is really an attitude of the heart. Come on, somebody. None of us are exempt from having a heart after God and having that heart of a worshiper. All right. Uh, I will say this, that some people, you know, they think that, well, I'm not a singer. So when it comes time for worship, they, they really don't open their mouth much. They just kind of stand there, enjoy the music or whatever. But can I tell you this? Here's another cruisism. Praise has a voice. Praise has a voice. Out of all of creation, God gave you the ability. I mean, there's a couple of birds out there that, that you know, African gray and uh, cockatoos and a, a few different birds out there that can say a few words. Okay, you can, you can, you know, they've made people on YouTube that they've got dogs that they think they said something or whatever. But God gave you a tongue, teeth, lips to articulate his praise back to him. You were created in his image. And he wants to hear that. He wants to receive that back. My wife of 47 years over here, you know, I don't think she would have lasted very long if all I ever did was in our married life was just walk by every now and then and go, hey, babe. You know what? Hey. Yeah. It wouldn't last very long. She loves to be held. She loves to be touched. She loves to be caressed. She loves to hear me tell her, I love you. And that's a part of worship. And that's my first point this morning. David had an intimate relationship with God. Even under the law, as king, 
He could do whatever he wanted to do. He could have what he wanted. One of the richest men that lived at that time. If he wanted another gold-covered chariot, he could have it made. If he wanted to send someone to Egypt for four white stallions, he could have it done. He had the means and everything to do so. But one of the things that we see here in, in uh, David's life as a worshiper, he wanted that intimate relationship with God, and, and he makes a statement in Psalm uh, 27, verse 4. And I may have ministered on this the very first time we came. I, I, I don't write it down, so I don't remember. But there in verse 4 of Psalm 27, he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. So his heart's desire, he couldn't because he was from the wrong tribe. He didn't have the right to be in that house. But he said, if I could take my king-size bed and place it in that place where the cloud and the fire is, that's where I would live. Because we're going to find out as his life progresses that, he, that, that anointing, that, that, that presence of God, that intimacy that he wanted, he felt it at times. But then there were times when it lifted because put your hand on your chest right here. Everybody just do this right here. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank God for this beautiful building. It keeps the rain off of our head. We have heat in this place, whatever we need. But the only reason this place is special is because you're here. It's just an empty building if you're not here. Yes, it's been consecrated to the Lord, but it can't do anything if you're not here. It's up to us to be carriers of His glory. They had to go to a place and worship. And if you're not a part of the right tribe, you had to worship from way far away. And if there's a million people worshiping out there, you could be the last one on the last row. And the only way you know anything's happening is somebody blows a ram's horn or something. But we get to come and lift our eyes and our mouth and our hearts unto God and worship Him and have an intimate relationship with Him. The second thing we see is He was very passionate about his life in God. He was a very passionate young man. That, pre that passion was for God's presence. He lived close to the Lord. He spent his life worshiping on the hill, playing songs unto God. As a very young man, set aside for the kingdom business of God. Very passionate. So passionate that when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen away, Ends up in Obed-Edom's house. King David says, I want it brought back to its rightful place. And the Bible says that they went and he went with them to retrieve it back. And, and there, was, there was this incredible honor for that tabernacle. They didn't go very far and they'd go for a little bit and then he'd stop and say, stop right there, we're going to offer a sacrifice. And then he'd walk a little bit further and then he'd say, stop, we're going to offer another sacrifice. Now listen, Jesus Christ has been our sacrifice offered once and for all. The passion that we have for Jesus Christ, it shouldn't be something that's shown with us offering another calf or a goat. But there are positions of praise that show our passion. But you can have a lot of passion and still miss it. It's not just about passion. There is that intimacy with God that walking into that holy place with him and spending time in his presence, in his presence.
Hallelujah. Number three, David was very humble. He was a humble man. There's something about that, that bowing before the Lord. I'm not talking about a timid heart. Someone that's, that doesn't have enough courage to stand for Christ. And I said this in the other services as well. You know, uh, peer pressure doesn't just end when you get out of high school. Come on, somebody. I mean, it, it's, it's all through life. You're challenged to compromise every day of your life in business, things that you do. But whenever you want to walk in the intimate things of God and the, a passion of God and feel close to him and have a hunger for God, there are going to be some things of the world you lay aside. Not because they'll send you to hell. They might cut your life a little shorter. But here's the problem. They can separate you from that place of intimacy with God. God doesn't go anywhere, but we feel like that he has because of some of the things that we end up allowing into our life. So if you're a worshiper, and, and, and you're, you're hungry for the things of God, you're going to stay in that place of being humble, that, that servant of the Most High God. He was humble. In Psalm 139, verse 22 through 24, David said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Every one of us in this room have anxious thoughts. You know, doctors... Or you wake up one morning and whatever, the older you get, and there's this little brown spot on the, your hand that said, oh, my God. <laughs> and then all you can think about is the C word the rest of the day. No, it's a brown spot. You're getting older. Come on, somebody. It's amazing where our minds go. You know, we live in a natural realm, but you're a supernatural being. And you're a carrier of the Most High God. He lives on the inside of you, and hopefully he lives big. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, Lord, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in the path of everlasting life. I shared this uh, last service, and I don't know why I headed down this path, but, you know, for my wife and I, we grew up Southern Baptist. Our family did. And so we didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until nearly 10 years into our marriage. And so, here's the way I grew up. Our family was real loud. Her family, real quiet. And so, first time we had an argument, she just shut down. What I didn't know was, at their house, that's the way they handled uh, uh, conflict. They just didn't talk for two weeks. I went, you what? Uh-uh, not in this house. I said, we're going to talk. And whoever was the loudest usually won. You know, anybody grew up in a house like that? Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the way I grew up. So when we got married and, and I would offend her, I, I knew I had because all of a sudden she got real quiet. And I went, uh-oh. I said something, did something. Uh, I've offended her. And then as we grew in, in ministry uh, and our ministry began to grow and we had decisions to make, Listen, I'm very strong. She's very strong. And I'd say, honey, I really think we need to do this. And she'd go, well, I don't. I think we need to do this. And i go, well. And, and, and then i pull the heart. But I'm the pastor. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you pull those cards out to be right. Yeah. And so finally, the older we got and the longer we grew in these things, these principles, one of the characteristics of a worshiper is a man or a woman who's able to humble themselves. 
And so then we began to realize, you know what, we're not going to get anywhere with this. Because she feels like, you know, I feel like, you know. So here's the way we began to do it. I said, come on, give me your hand. We're going to have to pray. Now we pray, but I'm talking about just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, we love you. Lord, we love each other. Lord, we're at an impasse. We need some help. And sometimes I'd go, Jesus, very loud. But then the presence of the Lord would come. It didn't matter. But then as you pray in the Holy Ghost, then he begins to pray through you the perfect prayers. And he brings the answer. He brings the solution. And then she'd say, no, if you, if you really feel like that's what we need to do, then let's do it. And then I go, but, but you know what? I think you're right. Most of the time, she is right. Every now and then, once in a blue moon, I can be right. But we come to that place of agreement. Come on, somebody. There's a place of humbling yourself before the Lord. David was a man who knew how to humble himself before the Lord. Here's another one. How many of you guys here have your own businesses? In this room, you have your own business. A lot of you must work for someone else. But there's a skill set to what you do. I love Doc over here. He's helped us many, many times uh, in our life whenever we've struggled with, with uh, you know, respiratory things. and all. I remember one time, first time we ever came here. I think we had some kind of a something hit us. Uh, Becky couldn't even get out of bed. Doc sent over some things. I'm telling you, this is the truth. By Sunday morning, my wife was a different person within 12 hours. Of the things that, they, but that's a gift. That's a skill that God has given him. He's developed that skill, though. He didn't just decide one day, I'm going to be a doc and I'm going to do it this way. No, through years of practice. You know, people wonder why my wife can sit and flow and do the songs and play like she does. She started at five years of age in classical piano to hone her craft so that you can play in any key if you need to. Many of you in this room today, you have a skill. You don't want me coming to your house doing any plumbing work on your house. You don't want me coming and doing any AC work on your house or removing and replacing your roof. You don't need me doing that. I, first day on the job with a hammer when I was a young man helping a man build a set of cabinets, I shot my boss in the middle finger with a trim gun. First day on the job. Yeah, oops. Then he gave me a pair of Klein pliers and said, pull it out. So, you know, here's the thing. God has given us things that only you can do and you do them well. But we need to practice those. Young men are playing right now, getting ready, hoping to make the playoffs. Last night, I got home just in time to see the Houston Texans finish their game. And the young quarterback, rookie quarterback, uh, Strout there, uh, godly young man. They kept talking to him and he kept saying, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he said, I appreciate that. We know your faith is great and wonderful. But he said, tell us how you're able to stay calm in this situation as a rookie. And he said, how did he say it? He said, he said I've put the work in. And he said, this is the, my, my expected result. He said, I just didn't one day start playing football. He said, I've done this since I was a kid. I've put in the work. People don't need to wait till you're in a 
catastrophe or you're in this massive situation and then you start crying out to God. You know, you go into emergency tongues. Y'all know what that is. You get a bill and the sun's like, oh, no, it's a way of life. It's part of who we are. It's what we have practiced. We practice his presence. And, and I tell people all the time, I'm not going to get to heaven and not know what to do. Come on, somebody. Because one of these days, when the trumpet sounds, we go to meet the Lord in the air. We get there. The angels that have stood around the throne and cried, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, for once in their created life are going to fold their rings and shut up while the redeemed of the Lord sing their song. Hey, hey, you have a song they can't sing. I'm not a back row Joe. I'm a front row Joe. So I'm practicing. I'm not going to get there and wonder. I'll probably just be on my face first few million years just in awe of the glory of God. But then once I get started, I'm just going to worship, man. You ain't going to be able to keep me quiet. I'm going to be so thankful. David had an intimate relationship with his God. He loved him. He had a passion. He was a very humble young man. He was skillful. You know the story. Even as a young boy, taking care of his father's sheep. You know, I talk about this. Uh, once you get past that, that skill aspect, it goes into a place of boldness. They, 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 when you know how to do something, it gives you authority. Come on, somebody. Hello. You walk in there, and, you, and, and you've done that skill for so long, you can walk into a situation and go, I have a pretty good idea what's causing this right now. And that's where you go first. You're a problem solver because you've honed your skill. And David, as a young boy, taking care of his father's sheep. I'll just combine these last couple together so we can bring this to a close. But as the skill set, it brings boldness, which brings authority because of the anointing of God. Those last three, they really work together. David, as a young man, Samuel came to Jesse's house and said, the king has been disqualified and God is going to raise up another man and the Lord has told me it's from your house. And so he says, I need to see your sons. And they go and he starts with the oldest and walks down through, I think, six or seven sons. And then old Samuel, he doesn't have the peace in his heart. He goes, is that all of them? <laughs> Jesse goes, well, we got one more. He's this ruddy little kid out there. He takes care of our sheep. He said, here's what the Bible says in the King James. He says, go fetch him. That's a good old southern term. Go fetch him. I can hear Granny on the hillbilly going, fetch him. Go fetch him. So they bring David in. And the moment he walks in the room, the anointing of the Lord falls on the old prophet. He anoints him as king as a little boy. That anointing, anointing resting upon him. He was a wonderful shepherd. He knew how to take care of the sheep. He was bold because when the lion came to take out the sheep, he took out the lion. And when the bear came to take out the sheep, he took out the bear. So it wasn't anything when his daddy said, I want you to go 
to the battle lines and take your brothers some food and find out how the fight's going, see if they're okay. And on his way there, he gets to where they are. I don't know if they're playing pinochle in the foxhole or, or cards or what, but there ain't no fighting going on. And he looks at him, he says, what's the problem? Where's the fight? And then just like adults say to young kids that have a passion for the presence of God and young people that have a zeal for the Lord, they go, well, you don't understand. You'll calm down one day. They said they've got this giant that comes out every day. And he says, if you'll just send one person out here, whoever wins, the rest of us will give up. If I win, you give up. If you win, we give up. And David said, well, I'll fight him. And somebody said, tag, you're it. Let's go see the king. So they take him to the king, King Saul. Love-hate relationship with him. And they tried to put the armor of the world on him. Just surrounded him. He couldn't fight in it. So big he could, like I told the people, I said, you can turn around and look through the ear hole of his helmet. It's so little. He couldn't fight in that. He said, I'll be back. So he goes down and gets five smooth stones. He goes to meet the, the giant out on the plane. When he gets out on the plane, because of the boldness, because of the call, because of the skill, historians say that David could put two stones within a hair's breadth. How many of you men here love to hunt? A few of you, one of you. You either love to hunt or you don't. Do you use a bow? 30 out six. If I'm gonna hit something, it's going down. Some of y'all bow hunters, crossbow, whatever. You're a pretty good marksman if you can put two arrows side by side. And then a big old, oh, ha, ha. Down he fell. And the shepherd boy went over. He said, I'm going to feed your body to the birds today. Oh, yeah, all right. He walks over and puts his foot on his chest and with his own six-foot sword cuts off his head and delivers it back to King Saul. He was anointed to be king as a boy. But that anointing rested on him. The Bible says in that passage of Scripture, from that day onward, the anointing was on him. Characteristics of a worshiper, intimacy with God, a passion for the presence of God, a heart of humility, be skillful. Know the Word of God. Know how to appropriate the Word of God. So when the battle comes, you're not timid, but you're bold. Because you're a carrier of the presence of Almighty God. Amen. Let's stand our feet this morning. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today. We love this house. We love your pastors. There's a great work being done here. The Lord is looking for those who will be carriers. Maybe you're missing one of these characteristics. Maybe you're very strong in one or two of these. But every one of us can grow. I said this in the last service with Pastor Dav's dad in the room. I said it doesn't matter how old we are. We're never too old to learn.
And the moment we quit learning, we begin to die. Well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1919. You leaked out in 1920. You know, we need to be carriers of the glory. Amen? And we're not too old. We're not too young. You're not too young, guys. God can use you to be a testimony in your school. God can use you. Mom, Dad, in the business place, don't compromise. Stand your ground. The presence of the Lord is with you. Let's just lift our hands. I'm going to pray over you, and we're going to let you go. Father, we honor you. Come on, just with your voice, begin to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. Praise has a voice. Just begin to magnify his goodness over your family, your life. Over 2024, be the greatest year of your life, your ministry, your business, your family, your children. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our life. The Lord, you have given us a promise that this is going to be the year of fulfillment of dreams that you put in our heart. We're going to see the fulfillment of those things that we've been believing God for. Lord, we know that you're our Jehovah Jireh our provider, but Lord, you're also our El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Lord, we're going to see you in 2024. Do some things that we've been believing you for. We haven't seen the manifestation of it, but we will in 2024. Come on, somebody get in agreement with me on that. Speak that over your life, over your family, your business. Another stream for those that carry, that have their own businesses, you, you have a creative idea that even this this year that God's going to release that creative idea and bring it into a reality, not just vision, but also into reality to give you the outline of how that business would work. That would be a blessing. Father, we ask you in that place of intimacy that, Father, you will speak to us and, Lord, you will lead us and guide us into all truth and all understanding. And we honor you and we give you praise and all God's people say, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise today. Thank you very much. Amen. Wow, what a blessing. Amen.